Welcome to the Focus Forward Business Podcast for SteadyMcGee.com. How's your business going? I mean, really going. If your answer is, well, some of it's great, and well, some of it's not so great, then the first thing you need to know is you are not alone. And there is a way to get more great and less not so great. So check out the 12 Focus Forward Pillars at SturdyCoaching.com. The 12 Focus Forward Pillars are the structure that you need in your business to give you the time and space to pursue your business passion. That's the 12 Focus Forward Pillars at SturdyCoaching.com. Hey, welcome and thank you for listening or watching the Focus Forward Business Podcast. I am Sturdy McKee, a business coach and advisor and your host for the podcast. Um, today, I'm very pleased to bring you Heather DeVoe, founder of Heather DeVoe Instructional Design, where she follows the think big, move fast mantra in helping people create online courses from mapping out the structure and curriculum to navigating the tech with ease. So um, Heather, thanks very much for being here. Thank you so much, Dirty, for having me. This is exciting. Cool. <laughs> Great, thanks. Um, See, so will you tell uh, listeners a little bit more about who you are and what you do? Sure, yeah. So my name is Heather, like you said, and I'm actually based on the East Coast of Canada. So I live in a little island called Cape Breton Island. Uh, it is near and dear to my heart. And for about 10 years, I didn't live here. I lived in the big city, the big scary city, but I'm a hometown girl. And so I was very excited when I got to come home several years ago. Uh, but the reason that that is important is because it is such a big part of my business now, working in small town rural, uh, working with other small town rural entrepreneurs, and I work with big city people too. Um, but my clientele tend to be uh, solo entrepreneurs. They tend to be experienced business owners or they run small teams. And because I'm on the East Coast, I think I tend to be more, much more accessible to people who are especially on the East Coast of Canada. Um, but I really work hard to help, like I said, solo entrepreneurs or experienced entrepreneurs of, of lots of shapes and sizes, help them create online courses. And my shtick sort of is that I help them do it very, very quickly. I take all the drama out of it. And I'm not the kind of coach who asks questions. I'm the kind of coach who provides answers. So is, you know, my my approach is much different than a lot of business coaches who will take the time to, you know, sort of dig into why that is happening or how you feel about that. Uh, it's been my experience that there's a lot of that in the industry and it's very much needed, but that's not where I can shine and that's not where I can do my best work. And so I'm very practical, tactical, and I provide applicable information to business owners to be able to create courses so that they can just get it done already and start getting paid. Great. So um, is the Heather DeVoe Instructional Design, is that your first business? And how no, did you get started? Not. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's iteration, I think, four of an okay. existing, it's been the same business all along. It's just me and whatever, whatever corner of the industry I'm tackling at the time. Um, but I have been a full-time entrepreneur for five years now. Um, it is most certainly not my first business, but it is probably the one that is actually making the most impact. Uh, given the times we live in with COVID and all that kind of stuff, uh, I finally sort of found my my niche or my niche. Uh, I like to say target market because I don't actually know how to say that word. So I just say I found my target market. Uh, this is where I'm going. That's where the money is. That's where I can make the most impact. So my business five years ago started from a direct response to losing my job. Um, I had a wonderful opportunity that I was given and was entrusted with a lot of responsibility uh, working at a private career college here in Nova Scotia. And it just didn't stay afloat. It, we ended up closing the school. I took over as executive director, ended up having to close the school for a lack of funds. And it really, it really destroyed me. Like if I'm going to be frank and I don't know how to be any other way, but frank. So it really destroyed my sense of trust in sure. giving my services to to bosses basically um but the other side of that story is i had had 20 years of just quitting 20 jobs i've actually had 20 jobs i'm not that old so that's a lot of jobs to have <laughs> uh, but at the same time i also had 20 businesses so i have been a budding entrepreneur 
for the last 20 years, just trying to figure it out, trying to figure out where am I going? What am I doing? A lot of, I probably could have used a business coach about 10 years ago when I was really <laughs> dabbling pretty hard. Every six weeks I was doing something else, quitting a job, looking for something else. But the one thing that remained the same was that no matter what my job was, no matter what the business was that I was trying to get up and go with, instructional design was part of it. So I've always mm. been teaching. I've always been creating curriculum. I've always been developing online workshops for people. I've delivered thousands of hours of college and university curriculum. I've done private government, uh, you know, social enterprise, nonprofit. It's just this thing that I've always loved to do. And I learned to do it when I worked in the army. That's where my skill set actually comes from. Um, and, and I worked on it for 20 years. And so whether I was working as an executive director or I was working as a secretary or I was actually working as an instructor, there was always a component of how do I turn this into something I can teach to people? So in 2013, I went back to school to get my master's in adult education. It's the same summer I moved back home to my hometown. So it was just wild and crazy. And that was really when I discovered that there was a field here and that there was a way that I could be helping people uh, just, you know, sort of beyond the basics of business, because every business I've ever started has been a B2B. It's been not just selling to customers, but how do I get into the business world and stay there, you know, in a really significant way. So in 2017, when I lost my job, um, I said to hell with this. And I said, if I could show up and work half as hard as I did for this guy that I was working for, my businesses would have been wildly successful. But you give to others much more than you give to yourself, right? So that was really the nail in the coffin that did it for me. And I, I quit my job. I bought one of those cakes that was like, F you. And, and I, I was done and I started a business the very next day. And that was five years ago. So I made my own way pretty quickly when I, when I realized that I just couldn't be an employee anymore. And I'm, I'm really driven by spite that way. I like to prove people, you know, <laughs> like to say to people like, oh, you don't think I can do it. Let me just show you how I'll do it 10 times and I'll do it way better than you think I can. But I was doing it for other people. I always showed up and, and performed for other people. Um, you know, and I think a lot of that is youth and, and ignorance and you just don't realize what it takes to build a business. And so I started as a freelancer five years ago. I jumped right into it. My very first project was actually writing a course for a client of mine who lives in Georgia. Um, I still do work for him five years later. We're still connected really well. And, and that blossomed into a online school where I was teaching others to be a freelancer. I picked it up very quickly, was making six figures very quickly and realized my instructor brain was constantly saying, you, you've got to turn this into something to teach to people. So I did some research and realized that there wasn't a whole lot of targeted material to that took you out of the freelancing part of it and taught you how to run a freelancing business. So I wasn't teaching writing. I definitely wasn't teaching grammar. I was teaching you, how do you get the, the back end of it up and running? How do you build that foundation for those 20 years of, of not knowing what the hell I was doing? How could I give that information to people so they could just get results very quickly? So that was very successful. I actually ended up selling that school. I ended up selling my major program uh, in a licensing agreement. And so that funded my next sort of venture, uh, which flopped terribly. So I ended up going full-time into business coaching uh, I'm just not suited for it. If I'm being honest, I, I just, I just don't like excuses. I don't, um, you know, it's ironic that we had to reschedule this twice because generally I am very on point. I'm very organized. I don't like excuses. I don't like when things aren't organized. Um, and so for me, that was, that was just a lot of people whining, you know, that was, and I'm not suited for that kind of work. So I have empathy for them and I have the tools to help them, but I'm kind of a kick-ass person. So if you want to kick in the butt, you come and see me. If you want a shoulder to cry on, I'm, I'm not the person to talk to. So I very quickly realized that I couldn't help people that way. And then COVID hit. So when COVID hit, my business just tanked. And I was at the point, I think I was burnt out a little bit too, because I had been hustling pretty hard for four years at that time. Right. Um, when COVID hit, it really made me sit down and think about, okay, you know, it's not about, are you doing this for real anymore? It's about what you're doing for real. And where's the skill set that you have that can make the kind of impact that you have been talking about making for years, 
you know, you, you sort of stumbled into freelancing. It was quick and easy. You, there was no learning curve with that. And, and I think I discounted it a lot because it was, it came easy to me. And so does instructional design. And for years off the end of my desk, I have done, you know, tens of thousands of hours of, of content creation for courses, but it was never the thing that I took very seriously. And I have a master's degree in adult education, and I'm a certified tutor and instructor, and I'm an instructor trainer and a train the trainer and all this, <laughs> this stuff that I just was like, oh, that's just a thing I do. No, I want to run this other crazy business where I listen to people whine all day. I don't know where that came from. So when COVID hit last year, all of that is to say, uh, I'm also very long-winded, by the way, um, all of that is to say when COVID hit last year, it, it came time to put a stake in the ground. And I had to do it in such a way that, you know, I basically had to lean on the confidence in the experience I had. I couldn't mess around. There was no time for learning curves. So I went in the direction I knew best and realized very quickly I should have been doing that all along. But I think I was a little part of me was afraid of it because it's so easy. When things are easy, you think nobody's going to pay for that. Or you think you couldn't charge what you really want because it only takes you a fraction of the time it takes everybody else. Um, and so I went and I took this course and the, the course was not at all what I thought it was going to be. And I ended up spending 30, almost $30,000 like American. And I didn't, I was just like blown away by the poor quality of this program and what it was sold to be versus what it was actually when you get in there. Right. So that was really the first sort of, you know, rock in my shoe about there's got to be a standard here. There's no standard. There's no industry regulation for this kind of stuff. Right. Uh, I'm a regulation kind of girl. So I was like, oh, had it in the top of my, my mind that maybe there's something I could be doing here. So that was sort of the first thing. The second thing was when that flopped and I had invested a large amount of money into my business that turned out to not be worth investing. Mm -hmm. I took another $5,000 out of my pocket and invested it in another program where I confirmed my assumptions about, okay, I have to pivot my business, got to stop coaching have to go in this direction. And that's when Heather DeVoe Instructional Design was born. So it cost me $40,000 American to figure that out. But what I want to say about that, because I know that that scares a lot of people, especially if they're just starting out, that you have time or you have money, but you generally don't always have both when you're running a business. Right. And so spending that money saved me six months of trying to figure that out, to try to sit around and find the answers for myself. So where I'm at now, if I had it over again, I would have spent that money over and over and over again. I, knowing what I know now and how quickly it got me to where I am, even though the training was totally bogus, it was not worth the money I spent, spending the money in that moment put me where I'm at today. So Heather DeVoe Instructional Design formally is only seven months old, but mm -hmm. I've been doing it off the end of my desk for 20 years already. Well, I love that you've figured out you know, that common thread through all the different things that you've done. Yeah. And then, and I think that's a great point as well that you're, you know, you bring up about um, not, um, not necessarily putting the right value on it when it's something that comes naturally to us. Yeah. Right. I, that's a, I was talking with a client this morning about that very thing about, you know, yeah. there, there's so many opportunities. I mean, if you do something really well and that's what you excel at, you, you think it's natural. I think we, we tend to project, right? So we think it's totally. natural and it's easy for everybody else. And why would anybody like, you know, pay me to do that? Meanwhile, they're sitting there looking desperately for somebody who is good at that thing, because think of all those things that we're not good at. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we want, we <laughs> want to hire good people to do those things to help right. us. Right. Yeah. So yeah, I, I, that's a, I think that's a great take home just right there. Um, Cool. So tell us a little bit more about what you like literally do for clients. What do you, what do you do for your, for your folks? Yeah. So, um, I, I do two things and that's it, mm -hmm. which is also, if I, if you could take away another piece of, of advice is, uh, get real clear on what you do. It'll save you a lot of time. It'll make you a lot of money. So I do two things. One is I have a DIY solution for entrepreneurs who want to learn to create online courses by themselves. It's a 30 day mm -hmm. program. And basically when you come into my program, you do very small chunkets of 
of projects of activities in 30 day increments. You build on your, your sort of skill set and assets for your online courses one day at a time. At the end of 30 days, you have a fully finished, ready to sell online course. And it sounds like pie in the sky, but I've had lots of people go through it. They're all, they've all created courses. They're all selling their courses. And every time somebody finishes, I kind of chuckle because I'm like, oh my God, it's so crazy that this works, but it's just so simple <laughs> that even I am like, this can't be real, but it totally is. But I, it's because again, I take it for granted. It's just all this information in my brain. So I took what I learned over 20 years and I put it into this really, really effective, efficient package. And it does three things. One is it helps you get the ideas out of your head. Two is it helps you to organize those ideas so that it makes sense to other people because just because you That's, can do doesn't yes. mean you can teach, right? Um, yes. Ironically, most people who come through my program are experienced workshop runners. They have done workshops online and in person. Some of them are curriculum developers by trade and they still come and take my program because they like the quickness and the efficiency of it. They want the framework. Uh, and I get the best feedback from industry experts who say, this is bang on. This is exactly what I needed. Now they have the framework and they can create new stuff very quickly. So that's the second thing is to sort of organize the ideas. The third thing is we tackle the tech, which if you talk to anyone who's talking about an online course, they're either talking about time, they don't have it, or they don't know which platform they should use. And those two right. things will prevent them from creating an online course for months or years. So that's one thing right. that I do. The other thing that I do is a done for you solution, which is what I've been doing behind the scenes through my whole life, my whole entire adult life, uh, taking it for granted, no big deal. Um, I finally put my stake in the ground with it and said, okay, I'm hanging a shingle, bring me your courses and I will create them for you. Uh, and I had a very quick uptake with that. So that was very good. So those packages are done for you. I call it the full the fully baked pie. Basically, if you have content and you want it organized and you want it uploaded to a learning management system and you don't want to have to deal with any of the technology and you don't want to have to worry about can people learn from this, I will create all of that for you and deliver that back to you, walk you through it, teach you how to use it yourself. And then it's your basically intellectual property. I'm selling you the intellectual property or I'm doing the research for you. You retain the copyright. That's your course to do whatever you want with. And so there's a lot of that going on behind the scenes while I'm also helping people do DIY solutions. And that's it. Just two things. Cool. So, um, I mean, you, you make it sound simple. I mean, creating the yeah. process around it does make it seem simpler. I think that structure yeah. is a huge deal. Um, yes. uh, I don't know if you're familiar, but Vern Harnish, I, I was reading through Scaling Up the fourth time, I think, before I saw and actually understood the the little snippet that he put in there that was, routine will set you free. Mm -hmm. And, but I, I, that's my brain, right? The first three times through, it didn't make any sense to me. So yes. what, but then the fourth time it clicked and it was like, oh, and the whole point is that you make these decisions, you create the process and then you get to make new decisions. You don't have to keep repeating over and over right. and figuring it out over and over. So that's another yeah. awesome one. Um, so, you know, you've, you've uh, structured this, organized this, but still there are all the challenges of running a business. So um, one of the big challenges I run into for folks with folks all the time is, is time management, prioritization, that type of thing. So yeah. what advice or tips do you have for business owners out there who are kind of struggling with, um, you know, not having enough time? Yeah, that's a great question. And I actually, I, I get asked to talk about time management all the time. Um, and I laugh at it because I, I don't think you can manage time. Like, like my coach's heart is like, you're asking the wrong question, right? Um, <laughs> right, right? Ironically, it's asking of questions. That's what slows you down. When we're trying to explore opportunities, we're trying to explore options it's options that keeps us stuck. Mm -hmm. And so my approach and the reason I can promise speed and I guarantee results is that I don't leave you to ask questions. The whole thing about time management is if you know the next right step, you can take it. If you don't know the next right step, you're left asking questions. When you're left asking questions, you're looking for answers instead of taking action. So my, my advice is always have an, have a bias towards action and build that action 
in the foundation of being curious, right? So rather than ask the question first, doing things will bring up answers automatically. You will automatically understand if you don't have the right information because you're not getting where you want to go. Whereas if you sit around and wonder, do I have the right information in your brain, it plays out perfectly all the time. But when you're acting it out, you'll, you'll hit a natural roadblock. And what I say to people is when you hit a natural roadblock, that's how you know what the next right step is, is you only have to get over that roadblock. What we do is we tend to think of 10 roadblocks down the road while we're sitting in our asses <laughs> on the couch. We haven't done anything yet. So my advice is always action towards bias and you will learn through doing. We like to think, I see this a lot. I work strictly with industry uh, experts, subject matter experts. You have to know, I don't know if you curse on your podcast, Dirty. Do you guys, do you guys curse? <laughs> I can play it clean. entirely up to you. Yeah, okay. I have a, I have a potty mouth. So basically <laughs> what I was going to say is you have to know your shit to be able to create a course quickly, right? So when people come to me and they say, I'm just starting out, I say, thank you very much for your interest. Here is a list of resources that you can go to to get free help right now to build that business. Come back to me a year from now because I'm not wading through the mud with you. I'm five years ahead of you. What I know is no good to you at this point, right? You have to sort of go through that yourself. And so I think from time management perspective, the quicker you can do, the quicker you learn. Uh, like I said, I spent $30,000. It took me no time to realize I'd made a terrible mistake and it was time to go in a different direction. So, you know, and I was sick to my stomach about that at the time, but I'm a learner. So I realized like there's a ton of learning to be had from spending that money, just grasping at straws. Where is it? Where's the learning? Where's the lesson, right? But if you're sitting on the couch thinking about it, or you're worried about what might happen, it's all the bad stuff that comes up. And I really believe that there is no mistake that can't be undone, especially when it comes to business. It's, it's sort of par for the course, right? And I know that sounds really cliche and cheesy, but it's cliche and cheesy because everyone says it because it's true. Right. You have to fall down. You have to make mistakes. And you just can't do that if all you're doing is planning and thinking. That, that is not where the mistakes are made. So you save time. The irony is I think you save more time by getting up and doing and making those mistakes than thinking about the perfect execution. And I think for me, what I tell people all the time is as soon as you have any bit of information you can make, you know, sort of go in a direction with or take action with, mm -hmm. do it. You don't need all the information because as I said, the rest of it will reveal itself, right? you like my husband and I right now, we're trying to install a fireplace and we have no idea how to install this fireplace. So we knew we had to build a wall to put the fireplace in. And so we, we, we know enough to put a couple of two by fours together, right? We're not handy like that, but we love to try this stuff. So we're willing to spend the money to get it wrong before we call someone up. And then, as I said to you last week, be at the mercy of someone in the trades to come, you know, three weeks we wait and they, you know, they come or they don't, but um, we're building this fireplace. And so we know you have to build some kind of foundation. There has to be some kind of box for the, the fireplace to sit on. So we build the first box. Now we have this box and we're looking at it going, that's a really good foundation. It, it could be a ladder. It could be a bookshelf. It could be anything. And then we put the fireplace on top of it and we look at it and go, okay, we need a box on this side and we need a box on this side to close it in. So then we build a box on this side and we build a box on this side. And then the next obvious step, we're looking at it going, all right, we need another one of these boxes on the bottom. We have to build a mirror image of that for the top. So we did that. Had no idea how to build this fireplace surround. We still have no idea how we're, I've never tiled. I don't know anything about grout, but I bought that friggin' stuff because I was like, it can't be that hard. There's instructions on the side of the box how to do it. I bought a tile cutter. I bought the grout. I don't even know what it's called. But I'm standing in the aisle at Home Depot going, I don't have a clue how to do this. But everyone does it all the time. So it's so not there's that, a way. There is a way. It's not that I think, I never think it can't be that hard, right? I'm looking at this fireplace going, yeah, it's probably going to be hard. Yeah, like this is going to be, <laughs> but if we break it down into chunks, step one, build that first box, build those side boxes, let's build the top box. We're struggling with the mantle right now, but we got one hell of a foundation built and that fireplace fits. So I think when we approach projects like that, 
when you think about creating an online course, you're thinking about the finished results and that's incredibly overwhelming. What I do and what I do very well is I say on day one, let's do these four things. That's it. Go have a beer, go relax, go watch the game. You're done for today. We only built one box. That was day one. We built a box on day two. We built the second boxes on day three. We built the third box because you got to walk away from this stuff. We also think it has to happen very quickly. And for some people, 30 days is not quick enough to build an online course, but I think it's just enough time that you don't drive yourself up the wall. You can commit to 30 days to get something done and you see enough results along the way that you get really excited about what you're building, right? I don't know if that fireplace is going to catch on fire or what, but I'm very excited about I've built this box, right? So it's a very simple example of how I want a fireplace. I'm very overwhelmed by it. I don't want to have to rely on someone else to come and do it for me. How can I do it? But now I know how to do that. So I could essentially take that and I could apply it to, I could build a window, right? It's the same thing. How do you structure a window? You build a a box around it to support it. It's the same thing. So what I'm all about is taking what you know and giving you a framework so that you can execute on it very quickly. Because when you know a lot, you get overwhelmed by your own information. And we all know way more than we give ourselves credit for. And I think our own intelligence is very overwhelming. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I mean, when you're generous, when you're a teacher, when you want to share, when you want to create an online course, or you want to run a business and with the goal of sharing or changing the world or making an impact, the question is always, what am I going to do and how am I going to do it? And those two questions will hold people up for a really long time. So that's why I said at the outset, clarity will always, it will it will bring people to where you are. You can charge a lot of money for it, but more importantly, I think it allows you to have confidence in, in what you're doing enough that there can be versions of it, variations of it. You can try, you can fail because you have that subject matter expertise behind you. So I, I think, yeah, I mean, I could go on about it all day and I think I've gone off on a tangent here, but no, I think for I... business, it's, it's important that, the confidence comes from your subject matter expertise. Business can be learned as you go. Well, yeah. And, and the thing that you're bringing up too, is that when you figured out a process or in Canada process, right. For, um, <laughs> I have yeah. clients too. It's, but, I call it a framework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Leave out well, all right, of the questionable <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but you're, so you, but you're, you've created this process for people to follow. So yes. they're able to bring their creativity, innovation and stuff to it with a step-by-step guide on something that's, you know, down, go down the path that I've been down. Yes. This is one thing I do with business owners. Like there, there are steps, there is structure. Yeah. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, solve these problems, put it in place and then, then go forth and make new mistakes, right? Yeah. You don't have to repeat the same ones, be creative, do new stuff. And then we can all learn from that too. But if yeah. you're just repeating the same, the same mistakes falling down the same places other people have before you, then that's kind of a waste yeah. of time as well. Um, yeah. But it's, there's something addicting about it, right? Like, like I mentioned, I've had is. lots of different businesses <clears throat> and I can tell you exactly where I stopped every single time because mm-hmm. you get to a point, right? Where, oh, it's hard now. And if you don't like hard things, you don't do it. True. So, well, if you're not in love with why you're doing that thing, then totally. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because it, it, yeah, it will be hard. I think everybody, pretty much everybody listening to this, will relate to that. It gets yeah. hard. So you've got to love yeah. what you're doing. Um, yeah. Cool. So on that note, this is another thing I think a lot of owners kind of we think we're isolated. We think we're all alone in a lot of cases, especially when we're facing, you know, the next obstacle, the next challenge. But everybody I talk to, and you alluded to this earlier with coaching, and I do want to make a disclaimer. My clients aren't a bunch of whiny people, um, but, that's no. one of the, no, but, but that's one of the advantages of, of doing, you know, doing that. You can, you can select and guide people to other resources and places they should be if that's what they need and yes. yeah, find fit. So that's, that's actually one of yeah, the things I really That's very enjoy. important. I can attest to that a hundred percent. Yeah. Huge. It's huge yes. um, for everybody's success. Right. Um, but Anyway, so we're running into these obstacles, these challenges, and feeling like we're the only ones. You know, I see behind the scenes, I see everybody's dealing with it. I'm dealing with different challenges. What are you running into now that you're kind of working on and trying to overcome? 
I think for me right now, uh, personally and professionally are really sort of finding their way to each other where I'm much more impacted by what's going on in the world than I thought I was. Uh, I would a hundred percent have told you a year ago that, uh, the pandemic it's, it, it has only just reached my area. We're just sort of seeing our first wave now. So we've been watching the pandemic happening on TV, like a movie. And, right. and it hasn't, I don't know anyone personally affected by it other than people can't go to work or, their kids are home from school. So we've been sort of adjacent to the pandemic. What I've realized in the last sort of maybe two months as it's come about in my area is that I have been all along very impacted from a mental health perspective, wearing that fear, wearing that stress, trying to keep my cool. Uh, and I realized I actually use my business as a coping mechanism. So when I can't deal with what's going on personally, I dive very hard into my business. When my business, when my business wasn't doing very well at the height of, of not even the height, I don't even think we're at the height of COVID yet, but I think at the start of COVID, um, when that started, when my business wasn't doing well, I, I sort of flatlined a little bit because I, I couldn't deal personally and I had nothing to really focus on professionally. Um, and so that was really hard for me. And then you get into a routine for sure. I failed my stride. I failed my groove over the summer, came back very strong in the fall. Uh, have had a great year. 2021 is just blowing all my expectations out of the water. I think timing has a lot to do with it in my industry, if I'm being honest. Sure. Um, but you know, your, your, your skills and your talents do speak for themselves, but I think timing where place, right place, right time does matter in these instances as well. Um, but I, I think right now it's, I'm seeing it come again because now I'm in that place again, where my kid is home from school again. You know, I don't know if my husband is going to continue working. He lost his job last year. I think the biggest challenge for me, like I said, is when those two worlds collide, I do not believe in work-life balance. I don't even try to have it because I love working so much that in five years, I've really only taken one week of true vacation. I travel with my laptop. I did nine weeks of travel in 2019. Um, I, I was on the road for nine weeks and I had my laptop with me every week except for one. And I loved it, but that burns you out too. And I think it wasn't until I stopped doing that and I was forced to slow down. I bought a desktop, so I'm in an office now. I'm not at the kitchen table trying to eat and work. Um, I think I really, really understood how affected I was. And I wasn't understanding it because I was pouring my heart into my business and my business wasn't going anywhere. I think the thing that has come out of that challenge is I have realized the importance of slowing down to speed up. It is vital. You, when, especially when things are not going the way that you want them to, or the way that you expect them to, you have to put a pin in things sometimes and give yourself a minute to breathe and reassess. And so as someone who has an, a bias towards action, that was very hard for me to say, I just need a minute. I have to make some decisions at this point and trust that I was doing the best I could with what I had. And now when, as I reflect on the last sort of seven or eight months, to your point earlier, my why became very clear. It became very clear why I was investing in my business, even when it wasn't working. Why was I doing that? Why was I feeling stressed? Why was I feeling overwhelmed? Um, and, and the answer that I came up with was because I basically, I'm a control freak. I, I work in an industry where I have all the power. Right. When people hire me to work for them, they don't understand really what I'm doing. And that's always been I've always positioned myself in 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 an in industry or in a job where my egomaniac, you know, brain was saying, like, you need me more than I need you. So I think there's a little bit of trauma there. Like, so slowing down to speed up, really understanding your why and really thinking about the importance of the decisions you're making are good things that came out of the challenges I've been facing. And so, like I said, now I see it happening again. Now I'm better prepared for it. I understand I need structure in my day. I have to make sure I do things in, with my family or I, I have uh, time to, to focus on the things that I want. Um, 
And the other thing that I'll say about that, and this sort of goes back to that time management piece, is that for women especially, we're told uh, we're told all the time, we, you know, fill your cup, right? You're familiar with this this saying. Self care, yeah. yeah. Right, right. So, right. So there's this saying that people say. They say, "Fill your cup." And so I've been doing some research around this, and what I realize is it's a thing people say to women in particular. Um, we need you to have a full cup, hon, so you can pour it out and give it to everybody else, right? So we we push women, uh, women entrepreneurs, moms, you know, all, all this, whatever the titles are, we encourage them to fill their cups, but it's a selfish encouragement. So that they can then give to other people. Yeah, we, I need you to be 100%. I need you to be on so I can take from you. So one of the things that I had prepared for this speech that I was going to give, but that got canceled because of COVID, um, I had this whole thing planned out and I was like, I'm going up there with a couple of shot glasses and a bottle of tequila and a 10 gallon bucket. And I'm going to ask people to try to fill this goddamn bucket because you just can't, right? But if you've got a couple of shot glasses, that is much more manageable. And so I, I think... I think from the time management, the challenge piece, one of the reasons I've been able to get back on my feet so quickly, find my stride, you know, find the success I've been looking for, and then make that impact is because I basically am drinking from shot glasses now. I'm not trying to fill this 10 liter bucket anymore. Five years ago, I was trying to check all the boxes. I was trying to fill that 10 liter bucket, right? And now I'm like, I have family, I have friends, I have my work, I exercise, I eat well, I read, I hike, I like to travel and like, I scrapbook, but like, don't tell anyone. And like, that's it. That's, that's it. If you were to find me at any given moment of the day, I'm doing like one of those seven things. I used to be all over the place trying to do everything. And so clarity again, really allows you to be doing what you want to be doing when you want to be doing it. And it's just, it's much easier to shoot tequila than it is to drink from a, a bucket. It's just too much. It's too much. Well, but I love that you had two shot glasses because now one's for you and one's for somebody else. Yeah, here, we'll share. <laughs> like, have you ever tried to lift a bucket full of water? It's impossible. But I, I was trying to just think of like, what is the visualization? If you if you look at, and, and I'm saying women, but it's because it was for a group of women, but men is too. Yeah. I have just ridiculous expectations of my husband. Like I look at him every day and I'm like, I don't know why you're still here. Because if the roles were reversed, if you talk to me like that, like we would be divorced 10 years ago. But I think there's, there's that, that sense that business owners and whatever, however you identify male, female, anything in between, there is a sense of, if you're going to do this, you better not drop these other balls. You better not yeah. neglect the family. You better not let the bank run dry. You better not skip your healthy meals. You better make sure you can go to the PTA meeting. Um, and I just, a few years ago, threw my hands in the air and said, I'm, I, don't, I don't have to clean that kitchen. It doesn't have to be me. I don't have to get the groceries all the time. I have things I also want to do. And I think that the sort of making a routine out of it, getting into a stride, making sure the expectations are very clear helps you when the challenges come because you have a plan in place for that and it all just goes sideways all the time anyway but you just you have that confidence of at least at the outset you know what the next right step is and mm -hmm. i think that is very very important well, with your husband you at least tell him what you expect right oh god yeah all the time okay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Good. yeah. Well, i don't was... i don't think he's a mind reader in even the slightest sense no <laughs> that, that, see that was something that took me years to figure out it's a really a kind of an embarrassing story but um my wife and i were together for six years before we got married mm -hmm. and i yeah. think it took another two years of marriage before i i realized and that what i said to her i mean i'm i realized I wasn't a mind reader and I turned, you know, to her one day and just said, Hey, you know, if you will tell me what you expect and not just get mad at me, then at least I can choose whether or not I'm going to piss you off. Um, right. And, yeah. and, and, the, and there's power in that. <laughs> well, yeah. And, 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 and it reset and she then, you know, there were things that she thought were very obvious and simple that I just didn't know. And, you know, that, that would have saved us a lot of time and angst. But the other thing, the really embarrassing part was, it took two more years before I figured out I was being that guy at work. Oh, oh I was just going to say, a really great question to ask is, do you want advice or do you want me to listen? 
And mm-hmm. I think that that applies sort of across the board because as coaches, especially, I know as much as I complain about people whining, I have, I want to help. Right. So right. there is a sense of like, if I can get in there and fix it, I'm just going to get in there and fix it. And so one of the things that I really had to sort of swallow my pride about was that again, back to this, I'm very independent. I'm kind of a control freak. Um, you know, and he said to me one day, he was like, you're, you're just not letting me like, you're getting mad because I'm not doing it, but you're not <laughs> even let letting me do me it. Right. <laughs> like, Oh, I, I can back off. All right. Okay, good. Yeah. Now but, I let him do everything. <laughs> but, those, right? but those very, I mean, I, I, I guess being self-aware and thinking about those things in the work environment, especially when you're the boss and people yeah. are a little bit more reticent to give you feedback, um, yeah. unsolicited feedback. And and by the way, I'm almost 25 years in, into marriage and, and the next month. And uh, yeah, there's if you're not married, there's nothing like 25 years of unsolicited feedback to yeah, improve yeah. your self-awareness. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I've been married 15 years now. I've been with my husband 20. And uh, yeah, I look back and I'm like, you're, you're like 20 year old Heather's choice. Like, what is going on here? Like, no. you know, and I say that to him and, and he's like, well, like, what does that mean? And I'm like, I'm not sure, but it's a self-awareness thing of, but we have conversations like that. We're very frank with each other. And the thing that I, I, I appreciate about him. And I think that this is something, if you're a business owner, you, people look for this is that, you know, obviously you want support, obviously you want understanding, but what you really want is the freedom to mess up. You want as a business owner to not turn around and look at your spouse and go, oh my God, I dropped the ball really hard. And I remember when I was spending that money, just ridiculous amounts of money for me to spend on my business because I had bootstrapped it for four Mm -hmm. years. I Mm -hmm. hadn't spent a dime on marketing. I had done all free content marketing myself. Um, So for me to take that money, I was in a very, very bad pickle to start betting on money to fix my problems, which I think money doesn't always fix your problems, but um, I did it. And I, I remember it was like, I didn't tell him because I was worried about what is the fallout of that. When I realized there was a major fallout beyond the money spent, that was when I sat down and I said, look, I did this thing and I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't think it was worth it, but I'm stuck paying it now. Um, you know, I have integrity. It was important to me that I didn't try to get my money back or rip them off in any way. I signed a contract. So I was, I was following it through and I tried to get as much as I could out of it. But, you know, he said to me, like, if you don't try, you don't know, you just won't know. And that's the thing he always says. He has no desire to be an entrepreneur. He has no idea why I even love this so much. He, you know, (laughs) he does nothing but support me all the time. And then I'm over here yelling about the dishes. But I think the biggest thing is, we're asking for love. We're asking for support. We're asking for understanding, but we're really asking for permission to mess up and to be very, very wrong about ourselves, our skills, our assumptions, the money we think we're going to make and to be able to turn around and say like, okay, what's next. And, and to have them say, yeah, what's next? What, what else is there? You know? So, you know, we laugh and joke and I certainly, yeah, I'd be the first to complain about them all the time, but I literally couldn't do any of it without him because you need that, that confidence. You need that confidence to be coming from that other half of you. And I, I just think for a lot of years, I was hesitant because what is he going to think, you know? Mm-hmm. So like, I'm a total yeah. feminist, but I'm also a very happily married woman. And I think that to disappoint in that way, would be a lot harder than the failure itself. I think that's something that people don't talk about enough. Uh, women were, you know, you, you got to be everything. You got to be strong. You got to be independent, but you got to be loving and you got to be supportive. Like you can't do it all. Um, and so we shouldn't expect our spouses to do it all either. But that is really the thing I think is you want, you want to be able to make mistakes and not get a, I told you so at the end of the day. Yeah. No, that that's huge. And you're making me, yeah, that's probably one of the huge, the biggest keys to my marriage as well is um, just the support I get from Kathy and every, all the, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be mistakes, right? They're going to be some big ones and, uh, and still having that other person believe in you, you know, when you're at your lowest point, I, that's that, yeah, that, that's a, that's a big deal too. So thanks for sharing that. That's that's huge. So at this point in time, 
Is there something that you've learned recently, you've kind of discovered recently that you wish you had known, you know, back five, 10 years ago before you embarked on this journey? Yes. Um, oh God, so much, but definitely. <laughs> um, and I say so much because the clarity and the decision-making I have now is, is, is exactly what I needed all along. And, and I would say every step of my career, if I had a, if I had the confidence in myself 10 years ago, I would be living a very different life than I am now. But from a business perspective, financially, from a business perspective, uh, the biggest thing I learned is that working as a freelancer, and this is going to sound just so juvenile to anybody who's been in business for any amount of time, um, but I didn't know. Nobody told me, and I didn't know the rules around taxes and HST and collecting and receiving all that stuff. And so you run your business, you get paid, and you're like, oh my God, this is so much money. And then you run out and you spend it. You don't bank any of it, you don't save any of it for the government. And then tax time comes and you get a $12,000 tax bill and you're <laughs> devastated, even though you should be super excited because you made enough money to have to pay taxes. And you're like, well, where am I going to find $12,000? This is crazy, right? <laughs> Um, so when I relaunched my business this time, the very first thing I did was I called the bank and I said, I want to set up seven bank accounts. And I <laughs> got this from Mike Michalowicz, Profit right. First. You're familiar? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, sure. I, I yeah. find it a little bit complicated. I'd give a simpler version, but yeah. Yeah. I, um, I have read that book three times. And it was the third time that I went, oh, I'm just going to call the bank. And, and like, surely they will know what it is I'm talking about. No, they had no idea. So I called the bank and I said, I want to set up seven bank accounts. And it was going to be like $300 worth of banking fees every month. Right. But in my mind, I was like, well, I'm going to make a ton of money. Everything's going to be great. I'm going to invest in this, blah, blah, blah. And so then I, when I called the bank and they said, well, this is how much money it is. Then they told me I couldn't do that. It didn't matter right. how much money I was willing to pay every month. They wouldn't set that up for me. So then I called right. another bank and this young woman heard me out. I brought the book to her and <laughs> like showed her what I wanted to do. And she sat with me for two hours. She had never done it before. And she set up all these accounts for me. I got them for free. Uh, I had to pay for one and I got the other six for free and I set it up and I swear to you, the first dollar I made which was attached to many other dollars. But the very first dollar I made, I took it and I went 2%, 49%, 22%, and I divided it up. And that system, if I had done that five years ago, I like I would have been a baller. Like it was just like the money, the cash flow that that created, I tell everyone, I tell everyone, go to the bank. I refer them now to my banker and just say, ask for Vanessa. Tell them I sent you. And now she sends me emails and she's like, oh my God, I got another one. <laughs> Just stop sending me these people. But the reason that I I love this so much and I it is such a huge lesson is because again, the clarity, I just that's mm -hmm. the theme here. When all your money's in one bank account, it looks like you have a lot of money. And I definitely used to look at my bank account and say, right. oh my God, I have all this money. And I would do whatever I wanted with it. But then I wasn't getting my taxes sorted out. I had no savings. I had no money. There's a reason I was doing content marketing for myself because I had no money to invest, you know? So I wear that like a badge of honor. Like I didn't spend any money on my business, but it's because I had no money to spend on my business. I was just spending it. I was going to Vegas and going to Florida. <laughs> like just spending it on travel, right? Like I was living the life. And then I got a tax bill and was like, oh, this is real life and I'm an adult and I should probably pay my taxes. So this year I said to hell with that and I set it all up. And it's the power in looking at that bank account, whether there's a dollar in it or there's $10,000 in it and knowing where it's supposed to go, where it's supposed to go, but also the freedom it gives me to make decisions. Yeah. It's a very quick process of you. And I open up my bank account app now and there are seven bank accounts there and it looks ridiculous <laughs> and they're all labeled strange things. Um, but you look at it, you go, I have money to sponsor that. I have money to buy those supplies. I can mm -hmm. pay myself. I never took a salary in five years, not once. And I started taking a salary when I set up that system. And now I've got regular paychecks in my own business. Imagine paying myself. I took regular paychecks for the last four months and have just been like, this is incredible. Like so simple, <laughs> but it's, nobody wants to talk about money. Nobody wants to think about money. Nobody wants to pretend right. it exists, but we all want to make it somehow. 
And so I think the foundational piece is one of the requirements to work with me actually is you have to have revenue. You have to have recurring revenue. You have to have money that you could bet on and you have to have people to sell your course too. So mm -hmm. if you're, if you're scrambling to pay for my program, you're not going to get in my program because that's not where you need to be. You need to be focusing on building that foundation with that money. So I think that is the biggest thing is get your books in order. You don't need a fancy accounting system. You don't need a fancy accountant. You know, if you can do a lot of that stuff yourself, but you need a way to see your money in real time every day so that when you're out and you go, oh, I'd love to buy that clock for my office. Do I have money to buy it? The answer is either yes or no. And that's it. There's no negotiation. You just have the answer. It's yes or no. And then you move on. So I think that's the thing I would definitely say. No, that's great. Thank you for sharing that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, so you brought up Profit First as a favorite book. Are there any other books or articles, things that you're reading or looking at now that you would like to share? Yeah. Uh, so I'm an avid reader. I, I at one time was reading a book a week and then I got away from that a little bit because it was started to be very repetitive. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you start to absorb a lot of the same things. My favorite book is actually The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. Um, and I read that book at a time when I really needed it in my life. And it really helped me to sort of get back on board and keep going when things were getting pretty hard in my business. I really like that one. Uh, I am a huge fan of Amanda Lang. She's a Canadian author and uh, correspondent with, um, uh, she's done Bloomberg. I think she's worked for CNN. She's done CBC, CTV National. Uh, she's amazing. She has written a book called uh, The Beauty of Hard. Um, mm. And that is a really cool book where when you're feeling really bad about yourself, you pick up this book and you can open it up to any chapter. It's just a bunch of short stories about people who have it way harder than you do right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a good book for perspective. Yeah, it's called, I think it's called The Beauty of Hard. Yeah. Um, oh no, Discomfort. The Beauty of Discomfort. Sorry. Um, I actually, I really love that book. And I gave that book to a friend and lent it to her and she never gave it back to me, which <laughs> just kills me because I'm a book hoarder. <laughs> Uh, that's a big one. I'm currently reading Jerry Seinfeld's Is This Anything? And it's nice and light and I needed the change. I get really deep into business books and just become consumed with them. So I went in a different direction this time. Uh, so if you're looking for something funny, I would highly recommend Jerry Seinfeld's new book. Cool. That's, uh, I love it. Thank you for the recommendations. Yes. Um, any other thoughts you want to leave us with before we wind down? Yeah, I think... Um, I mean, I could talk all day, obviously. <laughs> I just want to say thank you so much for having me. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I like the, I like your questions that you asked and digging into, you know, where are the lessons here? Like, I appreciate that because that is definitely in my wheelhouse. I love to look at what are the takeaways here and why are we even doing this? Um, but I guess what I'd like to leave people with is that, that the, and without sounding very grim, I always try to preface this because I like to say this to people. Um, I think it's important to remember that if you're sitting on the fence and you're, you know, you're worried about what's going to happen and you're not making decisions in your business or you're not getting into business for whatever reason, I always say to people like you might wake up dead tomorrow and it's not going to get any worse than that. So why not try, right? Why not try? And, and it's a bit of a, they call it, what do they call it? Toxic positivity. <laughs> <laughs> sort of a mantra that I have is like think big move fast because like this life goes by like that right it nice. really is and and I'm very practical and I'm very tactical but I'm very aware of time and how we spend it and waste it and I think that if you think about it the worst that could happen is you're going to wake up dead tomorrow then everything else in the vein of Amanda Lang everything else it just pales in comparison so as bad as you think it's going to be I can promise you it's probably going to be worse, but it's worth trying, you know, like it, it is going to be all those things that you think are going to happen. They are definitely going to happen in business, especially, but I think it's worth trying just to say that you did it. And I think you'll surprise yourself by your own capabilities, your own capacities and your ability to figure it out as you go. I think we all have it in us. And I think those who choose to stick it out and ride that wave are glad that they did every single time. So I would highly recommend entrepreneurship to anyone thinking about it, on the fence about it, get into it and get into it fast. Cool. Well, thank you so much. Thanks so much for being here. It's been a, a pleasure for sure. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening.